Show number 13. Oh no, 13 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. It is Lucky 13. It is Lucky 13. Yay! It's 13 and we're lucky we're doing it. <laughs> it's actually um, 13 of 11. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's um, my my Borg cousin is thirteen of eleven. She's sort of like so extraneous to the whole collective that she can't even get in one of the good numbers. That's really funny. In case you were wondering, yes, I was. This is the podcast called Look at His Butt, and I'm Jungle Kitty. Oh, and I'm Lena, and uh, here we are talking about Star Trek and sex toys. Yay! Yay! Uh, boy, do we have a shitload of stuff to talk about. We have so much stuff to talk about because you guys aren't doing your homework, <laughs> but you have just been sending us phenomenal, wonderful things, wonderful emails and clips. Things. And, uh, and, and things, it's things. And, uh, you know, I was going to say back like when we were doing like the second or third show, we were joking about getting so much email, and now it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's like every day somebody's sending us emails. So. I know, and it's, it's interesting stuff. We love hearing what you have to say and... Anyway, and we're just very excited, and we have a lot we want to share with you on that okay. count. So let's start with um, mail from really far away. Okay. And that would be Maynard. Okay. Um, Maynard has written to us before. Maynard is in Australia. Yeah, and, and he's a, a journalist, a television journalist. Yes, and he's very, very funny, and he has mentioned our podcast, but he, he writes to us, and he gives wonderful feedback, but um, we wanted to read a little bit of this one that he sent us. <clears throat> And uh, talking about our favorite topic, he says, I have some, ex- well, wait, he starts it out, Dear William Shatner's Butt Girls. <laughs> and thank you, Maynard, because he had written to us originally as the Butt Girls, yeah. and I told him we preferred to be William Shatner's yeah. Butt Girls. So, right. um, I have some experiences to share on the vibrance and the seemingly never-ending which toy is best, iRabbit versus Pearlbird debate, which brought down two post-war governments here in <laughs> Australia. So we are, are learning here. Um, but he goes on to to talk a little bit about the vibrance. He says, I have the male version, the M3 Power. It has similar possibilities as a sex toy, but I feel the power plant is perhaps too subtle for some. Having been with lovers who need the plug-in who need the plug-in mains power of a back massager. <laughs> I feel the petty buzz of the vibrance will disappoint many a fan of the concept. It would be reasonably silent though. Which brings me to weigh in on the side of the Japanese pearl bird vibrator, which is a lot quieter, and we all know how important that can be in a share household, than the American-designed Doc Johnson iRabbit. Okay, I had never heard of the iRabbit. I hadn't heard of it either. I, I had, had to, to go Google look this it. stuff up. Although the iRabbit does look funkier, it is louder and has the controls on the base only, which is not the best place for some people to skillfully operate the controls from. The pearl bird has designs that give you a choice of control methods, as Starfleet would approve of. <laughs> I love that. So then he points us to this this the Australian sun, yeah. sex toy mm-hmm. website called the Pleasure Box, mm-hmm. and you can can see some of these toys. And the strange thing is, he's exactly right. They have put the controls at the base. At the base, and so okay, let's say it's it's a dildo type, an insertable. So you have this power thing hanging out of you that you're trying to reach <laughs> and manipulate. And I'm going. I'm sorry if I'm really having a good time. 
that sophisticated mechanics is going to be completely beyond me. Very distracting. Very distracting. So I, I can't believe that they do that. Now, until he mentioned this, I had never seen one of those type of vibrators like the Rabbit Pearl where it has two pieces mm-hmm. with the controls at the base. I always saw them with the remote control. Right. I mean, mine has a remote control. Mine does too. So what's up with that? I don't know. But um, they, ha- they have some really fun stuff on this site. They do have Tie Me Up Sky. <laughs> So it's Star Trek and Sex Toys. We thought we were the first. The Australians beat us to it. But, um, you know, it's restraints and, and things like that. And they aren't particularly Star Trek oriented, but it, it's, a, it's a great, great little site. So That's great. Do they have spanking paddles with the Starfleet insignia? No, that's going to be oh, up to you and me bad. to come up with oh, that all one. Right. Well, anyway, I was intrigued by his mention of the Japanese pearl bird and... Um, they are really expensive. I noticed that they're even more expensive than the rabbit pearls, which I thought were pretty pricey. Yeah, they're they over a hundred dollars. Wow! So it would be great to birds to... are probably harder to catch than rabbits, <laughs> but they <laughs> <laughs> they seem to operate the same way. Except I noticed that um, it says in the description of the pearl bird that with the controller, the remote controller, you can um, set different levels of vibration. Um, in three places rather than just two. Oh. Right? So the rabbit pearl has the vibrator on the little tickler part. Right. And then it has the pearls that rotate around. Right. And the the Japanese bird, right? Is that what it's called? The rabbit. No, it's not the rabbit bird. The bird pearl, pearly bird. I don't What's know. What's it called? Where's oh. his email? Uh, Japanese pearl bird. Okay, vibrator. Japanese pearl bird. So it has the tickler. It has the pearls. But then the head part also vibrates. Oh, which would be kind of interesting. That, yeah, so that might be. So there are three different places where you can make it vibrate at three different speeds, and each of those places are adjustable. You know what? I think if I had one of those and, like, a view of a lake, I'd never leave the house. <laughs> it would be over. So I'm going to keep looking around online uh, to see if we could find one that's maybe less than $100. That okay. Would, that would be a cool thing. But they're yeah. very pretty. You know, they're made of that beautiful translucent jelly material. And eBay. Like I keep telling you, eBay. I know. <laughs> Maybe they'll be on sale on Amazon again in the 80-cent bin. So if anybody out there has tried <laughs> a Japanese pearl bird, let yes, us know let what us you know. think. And, of course, Maynard's right. I mean, the, the um, quiet factor is extremely important. It's one of the things I really liked about the um, the rabbit pearl is mm-hmm. that it's actually a pretty quiet vibrator. It is. Until you've had it for four or five years, and then it makes a hell of a racket. <laughs> Mine does anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> At least it hasn't dropped its transmission yet, which would be really embarrassing. You know what I think happens is that because the inside is encased in that plastic and it vibrates, the parts start to, like, get loose and they rub against each other. And it's not like you can open it up and take it out and, like, put everything back together. Scotty could. He probably could. Could do a little micro It cannot take much more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. Next, Next email. Oh, so the next email is... Another one from really far away, and we are just so thrilled that people from really, really far away have been writing to us. And this is some correspondence we got from a very nice guy in New Zealand whose name is Gregory Gray, and he and I have been corresponding a little bit. Um, And he also comments saying that the show is a masterful meld of sex toys and Trek, if ever I heard one. Masterful. Masterful. I like that. Which is really good. Uh, He also um, concurred that TOS... The original series was the best, and he says, uh, I could never really get into Next Gen or Voyager. Everyone and everything just seems so damn perfect. Give me cardboard sets and fake beards any day. And, and, and gumdrops for buttons. And we are just totally down with that. So um, Gregory also sent us a really interesting link, which I'm going to post. It's 
Probably not as good a link as it used to be, but it's still pretty damn funny. And it's at a site called FARC.com, which is home for um, many, many funny and snarky things. And this particular thread, which was done, I believe, back in um, March or April of last year, was for people to um, Photoshop Henry Rollins into Star Trek. And people responded with many, many, many different pictures. And they are just the funniest thing. The triple one just kills me. A lot of them are gone because people have taken them down. They were right. temporary accounts or whatever. But people actually photoshopped um, Henry Rollins into many, many classic <laughs> Trek ones. And if you've ever seen Henry um, in his performances, he, he yells a lot. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of his rant thing. And seeing him with his ranting head photoshopped onto <laughs> William Shatner's body is pretty, pretty funny. They're, they're very clever. It's good work. It is really good. And then there's a couple where they kind of put him into the background or uh, into the uh, the Space Hippies episode. Space I know. Hippies. <laughs> Which is really funny. Um, and then there's another one. I'm just kind of going through them where they put his head onto um, everybody Everyone. in a cast photo. And then put his signature onto each one of them, too. So he's making all kinds of different faces. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely good. Oh, and then I really like this one because... He's, he's the guard. <laughs> he's the Nazis in he's the, the Nazi, Nazi episode. So it's it's one of those pictures of uh, Kirk and Spock in the Nazi episode, and Rollins is all of the Nazi guards. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. So we'll put up that link, and I think you will enjoy it. So, Definitely. Gregory, thank you so much for thank sending you. us that. We we totally enjoyed it. We didn't know about that at all. Really. Oh, that was great. Okay. Oh, we're just ripping through this stuff, aren't we? We are. Oh, so another... Uh, in case you wonder, we have so much stuff jam-packed to share with you, and that's why we're we're trying to we are. be efficient. Because we want this particular piece of crunchy Trek goodness to be just bursting with flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And then we want canned hams. <laughs> Coming out of the screen. <laughs> Coming out of... Yeah, you know, watch it. They could come out of your headset and blow through your brain. Really? Um, the next person that we wanted to do our, our thank you and shout out to is a guy named Glenn O'Neill. And Glenn is uh, a fan of both this show and the other podcasts that I have about comics. And he has his own podcast, which you can listen to uh, via iTunes, that's um, called, uh, oh, I'm going to get Is it Edge right. of the Edge? No, it's not Edge of the Edge. That, that was the other guy. But Glenn's um, is called uh, Comic Fight Club. Oh, oh, right, right. Okay. And what his premise is is that um, he takes different characters and pits them against each other and decides who's going to win. It's very funny. So you should all listen to it. He wrote to us to say how much he liked the show and also to ask for some advice about how to incorporate Star Trek characters into it, like what was it about Tribbles that made them special <laughs> that they could fight? <laughs> so we passed along Fighting the advice tribbles. about that. I know. Isn't that great? That's like, that's like the name of the football team at an elementary school. <laughs> the Fighting Tribbles. The PS11 Fighting, fighting Tribbles. tribbles. So I don't think that episode of his show has been up yet, but I'll make sure we talk about it when he has it, because I want to see who's going to win. It should be great. But Glenn, the nicest guy in the entire world, because he sent us comic books. Yes. I'm so yes. excited. So um, long-time listeners may remember that I talked about a really bad Star Trek X-Men crossover novel that I had read out of duty, um, because you have to read these things. And I, I was ranting a little bit about the fact that the novel made reference to a comic book that, come, that had come out before that. And if you hadn't read the comic book, you didn't understand a lot of what was going on in the book. So now I have the comic book. I'm so Yay. excited. And I have to say, just looking through both of these comic books, they look a hell of a lot better than, I mean, 
plot-wise and everything-wise than what was in the book, because the book was just so flat. And of course, they're like a thousand miles better than those awful Gold Key comics that they did back in the day. Yeah, I just flipped through one right before we started recording, and the production values on them are, are they're really much good. higher. They, I mean, they're better paper, they're better print quality, the, the, the colors, the drawing... Is is much more vivid. Yeah. So Marvel did a really good job on these. You know, Marvel put out lots and lots of Star Trek comic books, and they had a stable of writers and artists who were working on them, and they did a really good job um, doing this crossover. Uh, so we have the Star Trek Next Generation X Men crossover, and we also have the Star Trek X Men um, TOS crossover, which actually came out chronologically first. I'm looking for a publication date, 1996, and it's really pretty good. Um, the only thing we noticed about this is that the art changes pretty dramatically after about the first 20 pages because they changed artists. Yes. So the first 20 pages actually look more like the way uh, the actors looked. It's very beautiful. It's very well done. And, yeah. and it's it's laid out beautifully, yeah, too. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a really good job. And then the other thing, which I did not know until I picked this up and started looking through it, is that one of my most favorite characters is in here, which was just a thrill and a half. So there he is, Gary Mitchell. Yes, and thank you for, for not telling me he was in it. So I just flipped to it and went, oh, my God. It's you know, Mitchell. because. Um, I have to admit, I don't know if I've ever told you this, that I really wasn't that into Mitchell until you just... <laughs> until I started obsessing about him? Well, yeah, you know, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to write Mitchell stories. And, oh, your Mitchell and I've stories got to, are so I've got to go pester Gary Lockwood. And, you know, Gary Lockwood taught me how to play poker. <laughs> that time I met him before, before the time you and I met him together, I got a 12-hour poker lesson at a con. <laughs> Lockwood. Oh, my God. One day, we really have to spend some time talking about Lockwood and Mitchell because um, it, it occurred to me as I was looking through this, how interesting that they chose the Gary Mitchell character to be in here. He is such a compelling character. He was in one show, yeah, and that was it, and they never mentioned him ever again, and yet... He, he crops up constantly in fan fiction, in some of the pro-fic books that they publish. And here he is, the one and only, you know, comic book here that's like a crossover. And who do they pick as the villain? It has to be Mitchell. Yeah, and he's, he, you're right. He is such a compelling character. And especially when you consider that at the, the, the episode he's in and the history they shared, he's very close friends with Kirk. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's not at all like Spock. He's not no. at all like McCoy. He's not at all like anybody we ever saw Kirk having, a, you know, a... a, a a close relationship with. And so there's so much there to explore there and to, to think about. And plus, look at their butts. Oh, you know, if he'd been, butts. if he had been a continuing character, this show would be called Look at Their Butts. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so totally, because Lockwood was so fine back in the day. And didn't wear underwear. And didn't wear underwear, which is just unbelievable. We, we love that. We appreciate it. We do. <laughs> So thank you, Glenn, for sending us the comic books. Um, we're going to take the time to read them and talk about them in, in more depth on a future show. But that is really great. Um, so I think we're going to take a little break. Wait, wait. Oh. What was the who did oh. send us the email about Star Trek and sex drugs? Oh, oh, because that uh, that was just oh, so classic. I wanted it. to now share that to with everybody. It. Hang on for a second. Okay. Now we have to because I can't even remember who it came from. I don't know. You're going to have to vamp for a second while I vamp. Find the okay. <laughs> well, let me tell you, um, Shatner Butt fans, we have got some major treats coming up. And uh, I, I'm wishing that you were all here in the room with us because some of the stuff we're going to watch, I would love if there was a huge mob of us all going, look at his butt. <laughs> <laughs> so did you find the email? Was I that did a good find the email. This just came the other day, and this is from someone named um, Chris Viveros. And um, thank you, Chris, for sending us email. Chris is in Boston. 
And Chris says, just wanted to say hello. I've been listening to your show for about a month now and really enjoy it. Star Trek and sex toys are like chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Isn't that just... It's just, perfect. Just great. It's perfect. And Chris, thank you so much. I mean, I, we just really, we enjoyed the email, but that line just jumped out at me because I that do love perfect. chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. In fact, maybe at, during a future show, we will eat Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, oh, that would be good. In Chris's honor. Not that, you know. Well, if we get them, we have to get both kinds because um, the regular ones have chocolate in them mm-hmm. and I can't have it. You need the sugar freeze? No, no, no. I need the ones with white chocolate because oh, the you know regular what? chocolate. I'm you know what ones I love and they discontinued them? What? The crunchy ones that had oh. crunchy peanut butter. Oh. <sighs> you know, they make oh. special ones at Christmas, too. They make big ones. Oh. Like moon pie size. Right. <laughs> White chocolate Reese's peanut White butter. White chocolate cups. moon pies. Uh huh. Mama, right. get me some of them. Okay. So, <laughs> so now I think we can take a break. Now we're going to take a break and, and play some doo-doo. Because we've reached the crux point. We have. It's a crux point. I have to tell you guys about the crux point. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so we aren't really oh, at God. the crux point I, yet. We weren't going to be able to stick to the schedule. <laughs> wait, if we say it without explaining it, it's not going to make any sense. I will make this very quick. So in the front of the Star Trek Next Generation X-Men crossover book, there's a scorecard. Thank you for putting that in. That's a great thing. But um, whoever wrote the little descriptions in here is a moron because they're terrible. (laughs) And they're badly written besides. So here's the one for Angel, a.k.a. Warren Worthington. Archangel faces the dual lifestyle of millionaire playboy and high-flying mutant. He has to get up and face the dual lifestyle. But, you know, it'd be a lot tougher if you weren't a high-flying mutant. That's if you true. were just a mutant. You know, like the rest of them. Bloody mutants. All right, and then there's some stuff about his background. And then it says, and as he reaches a crux point in the direction of his life, he must now question the love he shares with Psylocke. So I, crux point amuses me no end because it's one of those things that people do when they don't really know what a word means. Like crux, for example. <laughs> You know, go look it up in the dictionary. It's like saying, you know, a house home. Yeah. It's the same word. <laughs> Crux means like a point where things come together. So it's like two places in San Francisco that actually existed. The Bistro Cafe and the Pension Hotel. Yes. <laughs> so Crux Point. Yeah. And, and they were at the corner of Crux Point and Crux Point West. <laughs> On Crux Point Way, I think. So we have now officially reached the Crux Point. Okay, this is the Crux Point. We're going to take a break. And then we'll come back. Okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. A commercial? No way, dude. This is just to remind you. Email lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Website lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you. Send us anything. Email, audio comments, pictures. You send it to us and we'll talk about it. This whole podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. Well, Shatner fans, remember I said we had a really big treat for you? Well, that'll be in the next show. <laughs> this wasn't it. <laughs> this sure wasn't it. What we have watched now 
is an episode of the television show Kung Fu. Remember Kung Fu? Well, no, because I sure <laughs> never watched it. Now I know why. It starred David Carradine as, I don't know, some Kung fu priest from China or something. But anyway, this was an episode where Bill guest starred. Mm-hmm. And I found this because I am so dedicated to, to bringing Shatner joy. <laughs> That I, you know, went through Netflix searching for Shatner, found some interesting stuff. And I said, well, here's something I've never heard about. And we are definitely going to post some screen caps. Absolutely. Because in all my years of, of trolling the web and everything, looking for Bill pictures, I have never seen a shot from this episode. No, nope, no. Nope. So just to be complete, this is an episode of Kung Fu from the third season uh, called A Small Beheading. And the broadcast date was 974, so 1974. Okay. And this features Bill in sort of a, a, a strawberry blonde Mark Twain wig and mustache. Yeah, mustache beard combo thing. Yeah. Which is a little strange. And doing an accent that, that goes all around the United <laughs> Kingdom several times, but, you know, with, hot, with stops in Ireland and Scotland. Scotland, definitely. And his name in the episode is Brandywine Gage. And that's a hobbit. <laughs> Pretty Bill much. shouldn't be playing hobbits. Oh, how but strange. It did have a couple classic lines that we made a point of writing them down, didn't we? That's right. They I, were so I was bizarre. Frantically taking notes right at the beginning of the episode. So the he Brandywine Gage, he's a, a, a sea captain. Sea captain. Thank you very much. I was going to say a ship's pilot. No, he's not. He's the captain of a ship. <laughs> he's the <laughs> ship's clown in that beard and and wig. He's the ship's clown. But of course. He's the captain of a ship. Of course. of course. He's the captain of a ship. And he's explaining to um, David Carradine who he is and how he's been on these long sea voyages to China and so forth. And he says, and I'm calloused where no man ought to be calloused. <laughs> <laughs> Which just can lead to all sorts of speculation. We'll leave it up to you. Okay. Yes, you could speculate on your own. There was also um, him talking to his about, about his, one of his henchmen. Yes. And he said he can peel a potato at 20 yards just by hating it. <laughs> Whoa. Wow, that, that's heavy-duty hate. So we were thinking maybe Bill was kind of ad-libbing this as he was going. Because <laughs> certainly the, the script writers were smoking a lot of pot. Oh, this show, my God, three seasons, and it was so... Boring. It was. Nothing happened. It was an episode where nothing happened. He gets a chance to go back to China, and he doesn't. The end. The end. <laughs> now, the other interesting point was France Nguyen yes, was in this. which was so interesting. And yes, and we know that she hates Bill. and uh, She played his wife, of course. Of course. And there were several scenes where, um, well, there was one we were commenting on where he's talking to her and um, doing that bit of business that Bill does so well, which was sort of squeezing her shoulders and playing with these very beautiful beads that she had around her neck and all the while delivering his his little monologue to her. That was very nice. Speaking of business, this this show teased us and toyed (laughs) with us as Shatner Butt Girls because... Um, Elena was the first person who ever pointed this out to me, which she calls the, the patented Shatner swallow. So why don't you tell well, our listeners about that? If, if you if you watch Shatner's acting technique, he has a way that he takes a drink and swallows something that we have seen in every performance where he's ever had to take a drink and swallow something. And you see it <laughs> a number of times in, in Trek, in TOS. I think um, most dramatically it's in... Uh, 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 the one where he gets split into two. What the hell is that one Enemy called? Within. Enemy Within. Thank you very much. So when he's the wolf portion and he's drinking the Saurian brandy out of that thing and he takes a big swig of it and what he does is he takes a big swig of it and he purses his lips 
and he holds the liquid in his mouth for a second and then he swallows it. And it's very dramatic, but it's very Shatnerian in that it's a completely drawn out um, gesture because no one swallows like that. I mean, in Bill real does. life, Bill does. <laughs> but it's it's completely theatrical, but it's always him and he always does it the yes. same way. Even recently when we were watching Boston Legal, he still does it. Yeah, he still. loves that bit. He just, it's a thing. But in this show... Captain Brandywine, or whatever his name was, was always pouring out brandy, because brandy, what else would he drink? Yeah. And he'd, he'd raise the snifter to his lips, and they'd cut to David Carradine. <laughs> and he'd raise the snifter to his lips, and somebody would knock on the door, and they'd cut to that. And I don't know what had happened, five, six oh, times. more than that. We never got the payoff. We never got oh. to see it. In fact, at one point, they cut away and came back to him right <laughs> after he swallowed, so we got the little... I mean, how could they do this to us? There was so little to watch here. There was, there was a beautiful butt shot. Going up the stairs. Yes. Very nice. We will be capping that for you. And, you know, despite the, the funny wig, the ship's clown bit and everything, his his body is, is great. magnificent in this, even though fully clothed. Yeah. yeah. And we got much too much shirtless David Carradine and no shirtless Bill. No, not at all. Not even open at the collar. He's wearing one of those complicated cravat things with yeah, a stick pin in yeah. it. And so um, the the uh, climax, I put that word in quotes, <laughs> the climax of this episode was a completely ridiculous fight scene at the end. We oh, had a howling. It was so bad. So so David Carradine, um, it's a pl- okay, here's the plot. We should recap the plot very okay, briefly. Yeah, well, that'll take it's, us all it, okay, it took us. It's actually a little more complicated than the two sentences that I said before. Or the okay, add another sentence. So um, the reason that uh, David Carradine is, is in the United States is because he killed the emperor's nephew and he can't go back because they'll kill him. So in this episode, he gets a pardon and Shatner is supposed to be the one to take him back to China so that he can live his life as a Shaolin monk again. And... Um, so he has to decide whether he's going to go, and if he's going to go, he has to um, atone for the crime of killing the emperor's nephew by having his little pinky cut off. That's why it's called a small beheading. Uh huh. So in the end, he finds out that it's all a lie, and that if he goes back, he's going to get killed. And Shatner um, was going to get a big bounty if he actually brought him back alive. He would have gotten money if he brought him back dead, too, but more if he brought him back alive. So he finds out at the end and decides he's not going to go. And then Shatner says, well, you have to come. And he calls in his henchmen, who don't have any speaking lines, by yeah, the way. Right. We They're both silent henchmen. They're silent henchmen because it obviously would have cost too much to pay them, you know, actors' wages to speak in the show. So then they have this ridiculous fight scene where each of the henchmen um, attack him individually, not at the same time, and he uses his magic kung fu powers of bare feet. Which look totally unimpressive. Yeah, to sort of send them tumbling, and then, you know, Bill decides he's going to do this himself, and he whips off his jacket and just comically starts to try to pummel him and ends up throwing empty wooden chests at him, and then he... Breaking a board <laughs> off the side of the wagon and throwing it at him, and then he tries to punch him and misses every single time. And the thing is, this whole fight is conducted in silence. Complete silence. There's no fight music. There's no fight music, and I'm missing the Kirk fight music. Yeah. But there's there's no there's no grunts. There's no groans. There's no pow action sounds. Nothing. It's dead. Silent, there's, no crowd. There's no gathers. crowd. There's no, everybody's just standing there kind of watching them. You know, I was going to say duke it out, but they weren't actually they duking weren't. it out. And it's just kind of dull and stupid. <laughs> yes. And we were both sitting here going, blah, 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 in these long talky, where the lead talks like this <laughs> because it seems 
more meaningful. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. You know, I could knit a sweater during some of those scenes. Oh, it just terrible. went on and on. So um, he doesn't go back to China is the end. And he doesn't get to stay with the girl that he just had sex with either. I don't know why. We don't, yeah, th- that was unexplained. And then, frankly, this episode was so talky. I don't care. No, we were both having a I hard time yeah. kind of following the plot. But we have brought it to you. There you go. There will be a, a fabulous butt screenshot and a screen cap, like I say, of Bill in this character that I've never seen capped before. Yeah. So that's something for you guys so to, be, to look for in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I will say, right before we watched this, we were trying to track down a little information about the episode. And, um, of course, I was able to reach to my right about three feet to my bookcase and pull she out. very long arms. Pull out the book. <laughs> Like a gorilla. Her <laughs> knuckles drag on the floor. Um, <laughs> the, the Encyclopedia Shatnerica. <laughs> Great. Great book title. Which is um, a book put together by Robert E. Um, Schnockenberg. <laughs> and it's, besides being a very snarky book, it actually does have a lot of good reference material. And we find ourselves referring to it quite often. It's, it's really good for um, quotes from Bill and lists of everything he's done up until the time this was published. And, yeah, if you do not have a sense of humor about Bill, you, you'll hate this book. I've run into people who do hate it because yeah. it is snarky and mean about some things. But... It's handy reference material. It's very handy. So, so we were able to find out, because there were three episodes of this on the DVD, so we yeah. were able to find out very quickly which one we were going to subject ourselves to. That's right. So we, we are trying you know, to go through his filmography as best we can uh, to see as many different things as we can, because, boy, he's done a hell of a lot of stuff. He has been busy, 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 he's busy. He's always a busy guy. Um, I'm just looking at some of the other things. Did you know he was in The Sixth Sense? What was The Sixth Sense? That was a movie that. with Gary Collins about people with ESP. I don't know that one. I used to watch that. Oh, was it a, a show? Yeah, I mean, it a was series? a series. It was oh, a series, 72. Okay. okay. I, I don't remember him being on it. Wow. He was in everything. Hey, did you know? Probably not. I was looking at, at some of our old con notes. Yeah? That Gary Lockwood was in an episode of T.J. Hooker. Oh, right. I remember that. We have to find that we one. we got to Netflix that. That would be okay, funny. Okay, Netflix, here we come. <laughs> so are we at the crux point of this discussion? Um, I think we're almost at the crux point. You know, did you know that Shatner was on Max Headroom? <laughs> no. I love Max Headroom. I have no, I didn't Max know Headroom. that. Well, you better check and see if you have I Shatner. I have it. Oh, my God. I love that show. Look at his forehead. <laughs> I loved Max Headroom. That was a great show. Okay, sorry about that. I just... You look through the Shat America and you just get sucked yeah, into Yeah, you do. Um, I just wanted to mention briefly that um, there's uh, something very funny that I'll put a link to. I, I won't actually put it up at the site, but um, it's, a, it's a commercial that he did <laughs> way back when, when, when computers were um, the sizes of garden sheds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TV commercial for um, the VIC-20 computer, and it's pretty funny because it's so cheesy. It's like the stupidest, cheesiest commercial ever. But, you know, by God, there's Bill selling it. it. Just selling it. It's pretty amazing. You know what else we've got to get a hold of someday? What? Is his promised margarine commercial. Oh, yeah, those are great. Promise. Even Marcy. <laughs> we eat promise margarine. We believe in it. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's great. So, yeah, the VIC-20 uh, 
commercial. That's pretty funny. Yes. Computers, you know, wave of the future and all that. Futuristic, yeah. out there, outer space. <laughs> and look at look at the wonderful uses we are putting computers to <laughs> nowadays. Look at his butt. Brought to you by butt. computers. Brought to us by Apple Computers. I Apple Computers. Maybe they'll sponsor us one day. What do you think? Well, I have a great idea for the next iPod. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, you know, they just came out with a new... The Nano. The yeah. Nano. Yeah. And... I use mine mostly at the gym, yeah. and I don't want to carry it in a pack. I don't want to wear it on my arm. I don't care how little you get it. I don't want to wear it around my neck mm-hmm. because that's that's just distracting and horrible. What I want is a, a one that's just like about the size of the click dial oh. and that is like a badge, and you can <gasps> clip it oh, to your shirt. What a good idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. That's what I want is the gym version, the hands-free version with Bluetooth. So I don't need wires yeah. going up to my ears. That's what I want, Steve, that's, for Christmas. That's I like that. That's Steve Jobs' homework, because I know he's listening <laughs> to look at his butt. He <laughs> probably is. He probably is. Oh, all right, this is the crux point now. That was some crux point. All right. We'll be back. is a really stupid word. Okay. I've always thought that. Well, filk you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners, friends. What you've just um, heard is a little bit from the filk song, Banned from Argo. And before we tell you more about filking, I have to tell you how excited I got about this. I had gone to my local public library to raid the CD section to find new music (laughs) to feed to my iPod. And I found this CD... And I was so excited. I did something I never, ever, ever do. You squeaked? I used the cell phone while I was driving. (laughs) I was driving home, and I called Lena, and I said, you are not going to believe what I just got at the public library. It is a CD called Dr. Demento's Hits from Outer Space. Mm -hmm. And what totally jazzed me about it was I knew it was going to be funny and weird. It's got Star Trek on it, which Mm -hmm. we've all heard, but it always cracks me up. But what you just listened to was Banned from Argo, and that is a folk song by Leslie Fish. 
And if you get involved in fandom in the fanfic, fanfilk area and are there for five minutes, you are going to hear about Band from Argo. It is a classic. And I had heard it sung once by a friend at a con, but um, this is a recording of Leslie who wrote it. And yeah. Leslie is, she's like, I don't know, one of the old ones. One of the old ones, the originators. Way back in the day, like the 70s. 70s, like right after the show went off the air, before it was even in syndication, I think. So I was doing, so I guess we should explain about filking. So um, in fandom, there are different fan activities that you do to show your fanishness, <laughs> right? So okay. one, well, you know. Like like a podcast. It is, like podcasting, but that's new. But they're old ones. The old ones are writing fanfic and, and making up songs about the show or involving the characters of the show. And that's called filking. And I don't even know why it's called I that. know why oh, well, it's why called, called that called because that? I have a friend who's really boring about it. And whenever <laughs> filking comes up, she tells this damn story. So I'm going so. to tell it now very quickly, and then we're never going to bring this up again. Okay, good. According to her, <clears throat> there was some sort of silly festival, probably a renaissance <laughs> fair, <laughs> um, where they had printed up a program and there were supposed to be folk songs, but it was misprinted, so it said filk songs. Really? And everybody thought that was so funny, and it caught on. Really? That's her boring story, but it takes her 12 times longer to tell it. Wow. That's not a good story. Nope. Okay, so that's why they're called filk songs. But um, <laughs> So the word filk, F-I-L-K, refers to specifically um, fan-written songs about whatever your obsessive fan interest is, Star right. Trek or otherwise. And they can be songs that are original songs, like Band from Argo, or they can be different lyrics that are set to tunes that you already know. A lot of filk songs are like and that. And I've written a couple of those. You have? Yeah, remember I wrote A Hard Man is Good to Find <laughs> about Captain Kirk? And I wrote a whole song about the story code set to, um, I got the horse right That's here. Right, right. Okay, I remember that. These are on my right. website, That's people. Right. You're not going to hear them, but the lyrics are there if you want to go see my little my little foray into filks. Actually, the, the filk that you wrote about um, podcasting set to comedy tonight was pretty funny, too. <laughs> I forgot that. That was great. You're the only one who has that, though. I sent I it should, to you. I should post it on the website. That's right. Something amusing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... About this this CD, I listened to the whole thing, and some of it is really funny, and some of it is really lame. Mm -hmm. But like I say, I got it at the library, which was so exciting. But I did do a little research, found out you can get this at Amazon. Mm -hmm. You can get it at the sci-fi.com oh. website. Um, I found a couple stories about Band from Argo, oh, yeah. where Leslie Fish talked about it. And she says um, it is the song she is least proud of, and she hates it. <laughs> Because she says she wrote it in like five minutes to fill something mm -hmm. on some sort of album they were doing or whatever. And it caught on and she was asked to sing it at cons over and over and over. And now she refuses mm -hmm. to sing the song. But, you know, it's just, it's part of our tradition. And I've referred to it in my fanfic. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I'm not the only person who's done this. So it's just very exciting. And I know Leslie... Um, Hates the song. I know that now from <laughs> reading the stuff on the web. But, you know, thank you, Leslie. You provided a nice thread throughout the many years of fandom yeah. with this song. Uh, do they still do filk sessions at, like, Creation... Uh, not Creation Con, I'm sorry. Um, Shore Leave. Places like Shore Leave. Do well, I haven't been to Shore Leave. And the one time I went, I almost choked to death trying not to laugh at the filk session. I was 
subjected to, which was a lot of weepy, moany, sort of Renaissance ballad KS stuff, was was really, really hard to keep a straight face through. And it went on way too long. Okay. So I think that the Filk sessions are basically at the fan-run cons. So in the last show, or the one before that, we were talking about um, the difference between types of cons. Um, The fan-run cons, like Shore Leave and Bass Con, as opposed to the big professional cons like the one that creation con runs so i don't think they have filk sessions at creation cons i'm pretty sure they don't okay only at fan and i think fan or filk sessions may have died out sort of at fan cons and what i believe has taken their place is um vid vid sessions yeah so we should tell them about the vids well uh there are fan-made videos now you guys know about the fan films that we've talked about but there are also fan-made videos where people take clips of the shows and put them to popular songs or different songs and they tell different stories through these clips from and it's not just star trek but you know it's all over the map and some of them are so amateurish and so bad and some of them are incredibly high quality and we have been asked not to name names because people don't want to get in trouble but um you know if you're ever at a con and you have the opportunity to go to one of the vid sessions Mm -hmm. go see it to see what people are doing it is amazing people are really professional with it it's a lot easier now because all the episodes are on dvd and people have you know professional quality editing tools on on a macintosh for example right loaded with the damn thing right yeah so but yeah vids are cool the i know at basscon they they usually have a, a vid Thing, but I don't think they have a filk session. I can't yeah. even remember if they ever did it. Well, maybe we should time. ask them to set one up, and I'll sing two songs. <laughs> yeah, we can all sing "Band from Argo." Yeah, and <laughs> that'll kill five that, minutes. Yeah, that'll be great. So now we have another little piece. We're That's right. So um, let's see. Uh, should we play it or should we talk about it? Let's play it, and then we'll talk okay, about it. Okay. So listen. I was stranded on a planet. Just me and Spock, we met a nasty Nazi alien, he locked our asses up. We found a hunk of crystal and a metal piece of bed. We made a laser phaser gun and shot him in the head. Bust a move, talk. I was standing on the bridge when Sulu came to me. His eyes were full of tears. He said, Captain, can't you see? The ship is going to blow to something I besiege. I grabbed a dribble and some chewing gum and stopped the war for bridge. I say, bounce a graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish. That's the way we do things, lad. We're making shit up as we wish. The Klingons and the Romulans pose no threat to us. Cause if we find we're in a bind, we just make some shit up. song that you just heard a little bit of is called um, The USS Make Shit Up. <laughs> so we go from Band from Argo, a classic type of, you know, filk that's been around for a really long time, <laughs> to something completely silly. So I, I, of course, got on the internets, the interwebs, and um, did a little bit of research here. This song was... Um, played for me really recently by another geek friend of mine, and um, he very kindly burned this to disc for me. And this song is by um, a guy named Voltaire, who's a goth guy, and um, believe it or not, and this is a four-track 
acoustic CD that he put out called Band on Vulcan, which is really funny. And there's a picture of him on the front, and he looks a little like Dave Navarro from formerly. <laughs> he does, yeah, from Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction, except he's got Vulcan ears, and um, he's wearing a, a, a Starfleet uniform. And there are four tracks on here. One is called Worf's Revenge, which is a rap track. Um, USS Make Shit Up, Sexy Data Tango, and Screw the Ocampa, I Want to Go Home, <laughs> which is set to the tune of Sloop John B., which is really pretty funny. So um, I just thought this was one of the funniest songs that I had ever heard because it manages to talk about all four series. Yes. And it hits on some of the um, the sillier aspects of all of them. And plus it's got a great little chorus that it you can does. sing along with. And what, what I was cracking up over is we joke about Technobabble and that whenever mm-hmm. they are in trouble, you get your chief engineer, whether it's Scotty or Jordy or whoever, mm-hmm. to spew out a bunch of utter nonsense and that solves the problem. And it is making shit up and making it sound good. And That's this song just totally captures that. Yeah. Plus, it's kind of a bouncy, fun it is. song. I mean, you, you can, can see people kind of like, you know, linking arms and yep. like that. It's so funny. So um, you can buy this. I think I'm actually looking. I'll put a link into this particular site where I found it because um, it, it's an independent thing, of course. So it's kind of hard to get. But you can buy it and... Um, hear the other songs on it, but I, I wanted to mention it. It's funny because um, I'll, I'll read what it says on this page. Um, Voltaire is a big Star Trek fan besides being a, a, vol, um, a goth guy <laughs> who does comic books and does a little animated series. It says, one night after one of his shows at Dragon Con in Atlanta, so he actually played a show at Dragon Con, he was invited to sit in on a filk session. Um, he says... There I was, hearing these songs about Star Trek, and I thought, damn, now why didn't I think of this? My love for music and obsession with Star Trek collided, and I started to write Star Trek parody songs. At first, he would play them in his solo acoustic shows at conventions, and later recorded them and posted them on MP3.com, where they quickly rose up the comedy chart. Now they are available on Band on Vulcan, (laughs) a limited edition maxi CD of Star Trek parody songs. It's so funny. Bounce a graviton particle beam off the main deflector. I love that. USS makes shit up. And so while we're talking about music, there's also something exciting coming up. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, I forgot. I totally forgot. Yeah, she's looking at me like I'm on the USS makes shit up. Um, Bill, as we know, is nominated for another Emmy for Boston Legal. And they have decided on the Emmys this year to do something that is both exciting and frightening. I would say terrifying. Okay. (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. And what it is is they're going to do like an American Idol thing where they have TV stars sing songs like the Gilligan's Island theme and God knows what all. And then I guess we viewers, oh no, are supposed to phone in and vote. And so they have sort of paired them together. And to do the Star Trek theme, which, yes, friends, does have, have words. Lyrics. Oh, and they don't go with the music at all because I've seen them. But that is going to be performed by William Shatner and opera diva Frederica von Stock. <laughs> and I encourage you all to to watch it. And, yeah, you can call in and, um, and vote on that if you want. But you should also email us and vote on this important question. Did he do her? Because <laughs> remember, whenever you see Bill the Woman, that's got it. Pretty you know, much. That's it. Did he do her? Pretty much. Did he do her? Pretty much. Yeah. He does. I mean, mostly it's he does. Yeah. So I'll have to say. You think they're going to give him another Emmy? I hope so. I he was so cool last it, it year. He was. He was so great. And the, you know what I loved about last year was 
the audience of of these stars, these actors, they were all pulling for him, and they all stood up and applauded. Yeah. And it was it was like you know all the years, all the shit he's gone through, and people making fun of him, and and then finally he's in a room full of his peers, and they're like, "You go!" And these are all. Not all, but many of them young people who grew up on Trek the way we did. And they're like, the captain's getting his Emmy. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love to see him win again. And I would love to see James Spader win. Yeah, Spader should win. He's been so good. I was just thinking about the past season of Boston Legal. There were a couple of questionable episodes where I think the writers went too far in um, overplaying the comedy of his role. Yes. Because the comedy that he brings to that role is much better when it's underplayed. It is. And when it gets too broad, it's... It, it's um, it's it's skewed. It's yeah. unbalanced. So I just wonder if that will count against him. Well, you know, Boston Legal uh, premieres again on the twenty seventh, and it is an episode that has Heather Locklear in it. <gasps> oh, that's right! I heard about that. And I saw a picture. She looks exactly the same as yeah. she did thirty years ago. I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah. So she's in that. I don't know if that's the one with the the Shatner Spader bed scene, but boy, I would open with that if I was the producer. Well, you can be sure we'll be talking about it. We will be talking about it. Absolutely. And we will be banned from Argo, banned from Vulcan, <laughs> and banned from just about every place we can be banned from. Oh, that's for saying Phil Q. <laughs> singing at the Emmys. I'm just kind of trying to process that a little bit. Well, we saw him do the George Lucas yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. He did that. He yeah. was very funny about well, that. Well, speaking of Bill singing, um, there's, a, there's a song that many of you may not know, but I know because I'm a theater geek. And if Bill ever does another album with Ben Folds or someone like mm-hmm. him who can really you know, make use of Bill's unique talents, there's a song I really want him to do, which is Pretty Women. Mm-hmm. And it is um, by Stephen Sondheim. It's from Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. and it is it is beyond a Valentine to women. It is a a a a, a poem mm-hmm. to to pretty women and how they stay with you even when they're gone. And, and when you just think of Bill and his whole history, uh-huh. who could do this song like he could? Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. That would be really good. In good. fact, I think maybe we should close the show with just a little bit of that. Oh, sure. Would that be good? We could absolutely We'll play a little that. bit of that from uh, the original Broadway soundtrack. Oh, that would be great. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Pretty women, fascinating, sipping coffee, dancing. Pretty women are a wonder. Pretty women Sitting in the window Standing on the stair Something in them Cheers the air Pretty women Silhouetted Stay within you Stay forever Breathing lightly Pretty women Pretty women Blowing out Blowing out their candles Combing out their hair Even when
when they're watching how they made a man sing through the heaven as you're living. Fruity with the sun, fruity with the sun. 